Three of the Pro Way is brought to you by That Legendary Play. From historic moments to triumphant victories, iconic plays are immortalized at thatlegendaryplay.com. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Joey Kent with Through the Pro Way Podcast. This week's episode of Through the Pro Way features Chamiqua Hoslaw, a Naismith College Player of the Year Award winner and three-time national champion at the University of Tennessee. Go Vols. She was also the first overall pick of the Washington Mystics, six-time WNBA All-Star and considered one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Our journey with Shamiko started in Queens, New York, where her skills and love of basketball developed and where she became a high school All-American and a four-time state champion while attending Christ the King Regional High School. We discussed the impact of legendary Tennessee Lady Vol head coach Pat Summit had on her life. We also delve into the highs and lows of Shamiko's professional basketball career and how she overcame life's obstacles. This is an episode from the author of the book, Breaking Through, Beating Odds Shot After Shot, a mental health advocate you definitely don't want to miss. Hey, welcome to Three the Pro Way. Um, my name is Joey Kent, along with my co-host, Dr. Todd Campbell and Dr. Kevin Dyson. Um, we're excited, man. We're excited to have this guest on tonight. She hails from Queens, New York. Um, four-time high school state champion at Hales from Christ the King. Uh, she was a, a three-time national champion at Tennessee. She played for the uh, for legendary Pat Summit. Um, she was Ooh. first overall pick for the Washington Mystics back in 99. It's a little while ago, isn't it? Yeah, a little, little while. <laughs> Played 11 seasons for um, in the WNBA. She was a six-time All-Star. Um, she's a gold medal winner. Um, she's a she's a wife. She's a she's a mother. She's a mother. Um, she's yeah. a mental health advocate. Um, she is um, a, an incredible person. I'm so pleased to to say we have Shamiqua Holesclaw on the on the, yes. on the podcast. Oh. Oh, yes, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was thinking about this podcast today, and you know, I was thinking about you know some of the things that 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 you know I remember from you is in, in your life is is it's like you you lived like a wonderful, complicated, amazing life so far, and we yeah, wanted yeah. to kind of <laughs> and when I say when I say complicated, you 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 have a bunch of layers, right? And so we just wanted mm-hmm. to kind of peel back those layers, starting from so when you when you first um, when you first it, it grew up in New York City and in, in Queens and and kind of talk about your childhood and in your you know middle school and high school years. Oh man, my my childhood when I when I think about it, uh, like you said, oh my God, my life is really I always I always liken my life to a song by India uh, Irie. It's called Complicated Melody, and that's yeah. what it is. It sounds good, but. A lot of ups and downs um, along the way, but I had a childhood um, with a lot of love. I mean, my mom and my dad, um, they loved me. They supported my, my brother and I, but unfortunately, my parents had addiction issues. Um, they, they both struggled with alcoholism. And, you know, as a young kid, you don't know, like, they didn't hit me. It wasn't any, like, abuse. All those family gatherings, you know, out visiting relatives just happened to always end with, with the alcohol and late at night music playing. Um, you know, my parents sometimes hanging out a little too late. Um, but 
for a young kid, I, I think that's normal. You know, they, they say kids, uh, you know, know how to persevere, very resilient, you know, even though it's dysfunctional, it's functional to me. And so my brother and I ultimately, I was 11 years old. My brother was around eight years old. We were actually taken away from my, my parents because uh, my mom, one day she didn't come home, um, you know, and my dad had to go to work and we went to a neighbor's house, um, hung out, had a great day. My dad came home from work. He's like, okay, I'm gonna cook you guys some dinner. Um, what would you like? And we told him whatever. He's like, go back and play for another hour. It will be done. And next thing I know, we come up, we're banging on the door. He's not opening the door. Um, and we, again, we're living in Queens, New York at this time in the high rise. And so I just remember, you know, banging hard. And I'm like, oh, my God, the neighbors are going to hear this. But I know he's in there because I could, I could, like, I could smell the food. I can hear music playing. And honestly, after begging, I'm begging for about 30 minutes. The police, I, I hear walkie-talkies and they come and they somehow open up the door. And my dad was like passed out. Um, drunk, you know. Um, I remember the officer saying it was dysfunctional. The, the kids can't be here, and they took us to the police station. Um, at that point in time, that's when I first understood what a social worker was. Um, someone sitting there while police actually do your parents hit you? Do they like abuse you? Is this something that happens normally? So having to process that, and you know, even though I'm like 11 years old. Growing up in New York City, you grow up pretty fast. And so um, I kind of knew what was going on. So I just wanted to like protect my brother. So I'm like, don't say anything. Just wait until, you know, someone comes to get us. Someone's going to come get us. And that someone was my grandmother, my mom's mom. Um, she came to the preset. And after talking with the social workers, they thought the best uh, in the police, they thought the best thing would be for us to go with her. Uh, next step was a social worker coming out to her home and making sure that it was a place that was functional and that we could be. Now, for me, it, it was just a big adjustment because we grew up in a middle-class neighborhood in Jamaica, Queens, mom and dad, you know, both worked. Um, now moving to the projects, the story of housing projects um, to go live with my grandmother. I didn't go with the cool, I, I didn't go to school with the kids there. Um, I didn't really know anyone. So I had to make adjustments and it was really tough. It was tough socially. Um, it was tough because going up, going to the projects is like sensory overload. I mean, there's just so much going on and take into account, you know, that's the 80s. That's when the crack epidemic is hitting New York hard. So, you know, I was exposed to a lot of things um, just being in that neighborhood. But of course, in my household, my grandmother didn't play all that. She's very strict, um, very, a woman with a lot of discipline, a woman rooted around, you know, education. As my grandmother said, all her kids, you know, went on and, and went to college, you know, and did well for themselves. Um, I wasn't going to be outside just hanging out. Um, I had to do something constructive, guys. And so I was heavily involved in our church, um, Boys and Girls Club. You really never caught me outside just hanging out. But when I fell in love with the game of basketball, which was sort of by accident, um, it was the one place where my grandmother would let me go because she could watch me from her window. It was like the court was like right there. <laughs> so I would go play all the time. And, you know, I just realized, wow, I like this. And, you know, I was the only girl out there. So if you can imagine, I was like bullied and teased by some of the other girls in the neighborhood because the only thing I wanted to do was go to school, you know, uh, do my homework, go outside and play basketball. And I just got really good quick to the point where the guys started to like respect me. 
So you talk about the love of the game. One of my favorite movies is Love and Basketball. And you know, oh, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. listen to you talk and knowing a little bit about your background, you had to play against dudes growing up, playing against mm-hmm. the fellas all the time. That kind of gave you a competitive spirit. But do you remember that moment when you were like, man, this is what I want to do? Oh, yes. Um, we had a we had a lot of uh, talent like in New York City. So I, it was, you know, it wasn't uncommon to see like Coach K, you know, all these big time men coaches around. And I remember hearing about ABCD camp. And I don't know if y'all are familiar with the, yeah. uh, the shoe god, you know, Sonny Vaccaro mm-hmm. from Nike. Well, he used to be Nike, then Adidas. Adidas yeah. But he ran the, the, the infamous ABCD camp. And it was all boys. So I remember like Ron Artest, he was just two years younger. All these guys from the neighborhood and whatever would go. But throughout that summer, it's like everywhere I went to go play, you would see these coaches. And I would, I would tell Coach Crimmins, man, I'm telling you, I want to I go to Georgia Tech. I want to play. <laughs> He's like, oh, you know there's girls. But I'm like, I'm as good as the boys. And I harassed. Sonny Vaccaro still tells this story whenever he sees me. I saw him a couple years ago um, at an event. He's like, she tracked me down, following him. And I'm like, I want to come to the camp. And he's like, well, you can't participate because it's a boys camp. And I'm like, did you see me play? I'm better than these guys. And then he's like, all right, listen, you could come to, to watch or whatever. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But you're going to be a great female player. You It's a league for girls. And I remember walking away, like, sort of pissed and disgusted. But I guess, you know, he was right. I just was in an environment where, you know, it wasn't a whole girl power movement yet. You know, I just saw the boys, you know, attain the success, go to college, like Ed Elisma, you know, um, and just, just a lot of I mean, New York City has so many ballers. I don't want to mention because then they get mad if they see any <laughs> But yeah, it, it was a lot of excitement um, during that time in, in New York. But for me, I knew the way um, that I was going to really get to go to a, a great university was to get a college college scholarship. I had the grades. Um, my grandmother made sure of that. I just knew like I have to work on my game. I have to have to prepare. I have to be sharp mentally. So. The stories that I hear, we just moved back to New York, like right before COVID, but I'm running into like my old friends and friends from the neighborhood, my family, and the stories are hilarious because they're like, man, do you realize like Shamiqua would be the one person in the projects who would just like walk around, I'll put rocks in a bag and jog like two and a half miles to the other park. I was always like, I would always have my ball dribbling and it, it was before it was cool. They were like, oh, she's a tomboy. She's this and that oh my God, why you don't want to play with the girls? Like they would come take my basketball, but the girls that, you know, they're, they have children now, they're, they're, you know, we're adults. They're like, man, but you were so focused. Like we knew you were going to make it. You didn't let anyone distract you. And so I think that's something that I, I'm really proud of because I had a lot of distractions, you know, um, I could have made a lot of excuses, mm. but I seem to always find something inside of me that just pushes me forth, you know, even through the, the dark times It's something that, I don't know where I get it from. I'm going to say probably my, probably my grandmother and, um, you know, taking it a step further, having to have an opportunity to be coached by our coach summit. I think they both left me with something that is like, you know, shit, life happens. You know, you're going to fall down, but you can't have you no know, pity on yourself. You got to get right back up. So that's the, the mindset I operate with. So tell us about when you first met coach summit. I think. Oh man. <laughs> First matter, uh, uh, I mean, you know, Coach Summit, man, it's just like at that time, 
she used to come to my, my AU games and stuff, you know, all the kids, y'all know how it is. They tap it, man, such so she's coming to watch you play. Oh my God. And I'm like, she, she's like, I, I don't want to liken her to like God, but it's just like, wow, that's <laughs> Coach Pat Summit. You know? how, how early man. was this, Shamiko? How, how early was this? Oh, man. This was, was, yeah, this was probably, I played at AU with the girls fine, like eighth grade. So eighth, ninth, ninth grade, eighth grade, before, before I went to high school. Wow. And then, you know, she would come up when she could to watch me play in high school. Man, all my teammates, the whole day would be like so giddy, like, oh, my God. And then it got to the point where she could go out and like eat with us or something. And she would walk with us to the Burger King. And it was just like the coolest thing. It was like, man, like you made it like Coach Pat Summit. It's like hanging out with you. And um, I would say the craziest times when she came to my house on my home visit. Y'all, listen, it was like Coach Summit in my house. You, you know, all these other coaches came. I had Gino Ariema come before her, you know, some of the Ohio State Purdue. And I was living in a hood, y'all, the project. So, you know, the guys are all downstairs <laughs> hanging out in front of the building, right? And so, you know, Gino come, because my, my high school coach, Sidebar, was a, a police detective, you know? So he always had his gun on him. And he would go meet the coaches, lead them there to my house, whatever, so nothing, you know, make sure they are right. But my neighborhood was like all love anyway, because they know the coaches are coming. There's no no drama going to happen. But I remember, I remember walking in, I would go meet them. And here's Gino, the guys are just like, what's up? No. Other coaches, yo, Coach Summit, from the minute she got out that car, walking up, the, it was like the Red Sea party. <laughs> these, these, these hood dudes are up there like, hi, hi, hi Miss Pat Summit. <laughs> Funny, funniest thing ever. And she was so cool. And um, she was just like, hey, how you fellas doing? All right, now stay out of trouble, you know, talking to them. But I just remember sitting down um, in the living room. But when she went, well, actually, I just remember her like sitting down and she was just, just like so real. You know, I'm, I'm a young kid. All these other coaches have prom promised me starting positions and things of that sort. Um, and I'm like, how many minutes I'm going to play? Like, let's get to it. Like, I want to talk basketball. How many minutes? Like, what do you mean? How many minutes are you going to play? How many minutes? Other teams said I would start. And she's like, well, you'll start if you work hard. You know, she's the only thing I can promise you is that you, you're going to graduate from college. And I'm going to make sure that. And, you know, she looked at my grandmother and she said, oh, man, sorry about that. One second. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. But, um, yeah, um, you know, she 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 told me, you know, you get what you, you get out of it, what you put into it, you know, and. You know, my grandmother was basically sold on that. I was her baby. You know, she raised me and she just wanted she, she just wanted someone that was going to protect me and, and provide structure. And Coach Summit uh, was up for the challenge. You know, she's, she's the only one that came in there talking about academics and, and graduating in four years. So my family was really sold. Yeah. What, what, what schools did it come down to? I'm, I'm assuming Tennessee and, and UConn. Uh, nah, UConn was too close. Like my high school coach was Italian, right? Okay. And him and Gino, they, they were buddies. And so I would always go to UConn. It's like, you know, two and a half hours from New York City. And I just remember it was always cold or whatever. And I said to myself, I'm not going to grow up being this close to home. Like um, my grandma's going to be up here all the time. My friends are going to be like, I got to go someplace where I could develop into my own person. And that was either going to be, I felt that Tennessee um, at the time, Penn State or um, UVA. 
And uh, my grandmother, I, I think I was excited about UVA because other people in my class were signing in. My grandmother's like, you're not going to play with your friends. Mm. Uh, Penn State, uh, the coach just said some crazy stuff um, that made me pretty uncomfortable. And then the school was like too big. I don't know if y'all know about university. It was a university city. It was a huge campus. And so my uncle was like, you're going to just get lost in the sauce. And so I, I, I went with Tennessee and I'm just so glad I did. You know, I, I really felt like I got a lot out of this situation because sometimes, you know, and we all know you go to school. Some athletes, it's like you go you to school four years and it's like two years of, of school academically. <laughs> like, what were you doing? You know, I felt like I was going somewhere where I was challenged to be the best in the classroom that I, that I could at that time and also on the court. So, Neek, let me talk to you a little bit about your uh, aura, your mm-hmm. kind of who you are, because you you go back to you start making a name for yourself at a very young age. And mm-hmm. when you talk about the, the game of basketball, and I'll say with women's game, you talk about Miller, Leslie, Swoops. There's some names that are kind of synonymous with driving the women's game. And your yeah. name is one Like mm-hmm. you kind of took the baton and took it to a whole new level when you got to Knoxville. Talk about that mm-hmm. kind of that that transition from high school in New York, making a name for yourself, highly recruited in magazines, pitches the whole nine. And now you're what, like, what? yeah. Wow. That is, it was a, it was a journey. Cause like I tell people, cause I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much like to stay to myself these days. And I don't, I don't like doing like a whole lot of media and stuff like yeah. that. And everybody's always like, come on, man. You know, like me, meek, man, you use the Hooper, but it's like, I had to deal with that and not saying it like on no pedestal, but since I was like, I would say like 12 years old when they realized like I was good. And I always tell young kids, it's like once people realize there's greatness in you, whether it's academically or instrument, basketball, you're sort of like coached and y'all know about it. It's like, I could do no wrong. And, you know, it's like everybody was there to support me and, and, and my dreams, but I never looked at it as like, pressure I just wanted to like always just be like just I always wanted to I didn't want to stand out I was always that person on a team that just kind of wanted to be one of the teammates but I guess at that time my talent was like undeniable so my coaches were always like man like you're the star the parents would tell me do not pass the ball to my daughter (laughs) like we gotta win and so it, it, it was that way for um uh, a pretty long time and you you know you just learn how to like navigate you realize like you have to lead in certain ways and I was always like a quiet leader I was not the loudest person in the room but people you know respected me when I spoke um, I just wanted to go out there and just play the game of basketball but having I guess the talent that I did at the time it just opened up a lot I mean Going to Tennessee, high school, I won four state championships. I mean, high school, I'm on a cover of, like, TV guy. Uh, I did my own journal in high school for USA Today. Like, me and Trajan Langdon, who played at Duke, we, each week we, we got to – well, he was actually going to Duke. We were in high school, yeah. So I'm writing this article for the, the U.S. to see, you know, biweekly. Um, having that opportunity, um, going to college, just having that immediate success. You know, I won uh, three out of four championships in college and a lot of firsts in the game of women's basketball, uh, a lot of amazing moments. Um, you, 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 Tennessee was already a great program, but it's just like we took it. I was just lucky. I had amazing talent. I had great teammates and I had the best damn coach. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's, I knew I was good, but 
because New Yorkers, we have a certain, you know, when it comes to our hoops, we got a certain air about us. I knew I was good, but I didn't realize I was that good. And it's because Coach Summit, man, like when I tell you she pushed me, she pushed me in a different type of way, I would say, because we all heard the stories about her making players throw up and running them to death. And I, I was like, man, I'm from New York. Like, I'm not, you're not, like, that don't scare me. Like, <laughs> I was, I had an edge, that edge. And I'm like, yo, these, you know, I'm thinking my teammates know. Uh, I was like, man, these country girls sitting here, man. <laughs> you know? like, this is how, we, you know, and I'm like, I don't care, man. I'll, I'll just do what I need to do. But, you know, she had talked to Coach Kevin O'Neill, who was the men's coach at the time. And she's like, okay, I got this kid from New York. I, I'm having a hard time like motivating her because by her just yelling at me is just winning one ear out the other. I was the type of player you just tell me the expectation, you know, and I and I think that had a lot to do with my grandmother taking custody of us because I love my grandmother. That was like my my parental figure. I never wanted to disappoint my grandmother, but my grandmother never had to lift a hand to hit me with a respect thing. Tell me what you need me to do. Tell me the expectation, and that's how. I was sort of like raised. And when I told Coach Summit, like, you don't have to yell at me like all the time. I, you don't have to just tell me what you need me to do. Once, once she looked at me and she said, okay, I got it. She understood that I identified with uh, accountability, mm-hmm. you know, um, and she just said, hey, Meek, I need you to play some damn defense. I need to do X, Y, and Z. Okay, all right, Coach, I got you. You know, if I couldn't do something, I was never afraid to talk to her about it to learn how to navigate it within my team. And so I think that's why we were really, really great. And then going on to the pros, and as y'all know, it was a whole different uh, ball game because um, a lot of people in the pros, they always clown me. They said, man, like, your situation was so surreal. Like, <laughs> we, we, we talk about it now. Like, I probably played for, like, the best coach in basketball, period, <laughs> as, as a collegiate athlete. And I go to the pros, the, the coaching um, <laughs> is just not the same. Um, and, you know, you're, you're dealing with an age, different age, too. And, you know, we got the Dennis Rodman type personalities. I'm trying to figure out and balance things myself and, and not having that type of structure. It was a it took some time to adjust. We were there, I guess, two years ago. You came in 95. I was a junior um, during that time. Talk and about- you didn't talk to me because you were too cool. You were <laughs> I like, mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm teasing. We know. I'll put that out there. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm oh, we had some good times back then. Yeah. He still does mm-hmm. us like that, Mika. Hey, hey. Sometimes you got to do that. <laughs> <laughs> talk yeah. about your transition off the court. Uh, obviously, coming from New York to Knoxville, that's a, that's a yeah. huge Yeah, we were just talking about it off air. You coming from cinder blocks and <laughs> tracks from the subway to, to the <laughs> cow pastures and, yeah. and Twain. Is. How was that transition yeah. for you? It was hard. It was very, it was very hard. Um, I remember you being like really quiet. Like when I first met you, I remember when I met you, <laughs> just really quiet. Didn't, I was asking you questions. You just, yeah, you know, just really yeah. quiet. But um, it was just, I, I knew you were, you were having some transition, you know, situation. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and that's, that's really like, that's amazing that you even like noticed that as a young person, you know, you had the instinct to, to, in your head to say, man, you know, this is, this is different. Cause a lot of us, you know, going to college, a lot of young people, you know, especially, you know, student athletes, we're thinking about coaches, you know, we're thinking about colors, you know, how it is. I'm going to a school that wears this color. We're not thinking about, okay. The school, I'm from New York City, one of the most diverse places in, in the U.S. 
I'm not thinking about going to a campus in the South, 98% Caucasian, 2% other. I didn't, I didn't think about those things. And, um, you know, just, and I had family in the South. I would go to South Carolina where my dad's from, like every summer, go visit my aunt in Kentucky. But, you know, that was for, you know, a week, maybe two weeks. Now here I am in, in a sea of, of people that I don't feel like I connect with. I couldn't find my tribe. And I wanted to run, man. I, I remember wanting to quit several times. Like, man, I want, I'll go back to you. I go to UConn. Um, I got, I just got to be closer to home. This is different. This is uncomfortable. And I went to coach Summit. I was like, I don't think I could do this, you know? And, um, how far, said, how long were you, Shamika? Oh man, <laughs> I, probably, I probably made it maybe a month. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand having, having to have a car to, to get around everywhere, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and oh god, walking up that hill all the time, you know, back in, that hill, hall. like oh man, uh, you'll have to tell me. <laughs> it, it it was an adjustment, um, and just finding people that you connect with. Uh, again, you know, I remember me and Kelly Jolly. We had saw Kelly Jolly Harper. Now we had saw each other that summer at an AU tournament, and we're like, all right, you know, maybe we might end up playing together. We don't know. But I just remember her strong Southern twang, you know, and this is, she's like, I'm like, you slow down. Like, like, I'm like, I, I can't understand you. And then she's looking at me like, you talk too fast. I can't understand you. <laughs> and, and we're like, all right. So we like learned life, you know, through each other. And I remember talking to Coach Summon and she goes, host call. I already call home. I already, I already talked to your grandmother. And I, and I told her she beat me to it told her that you were having a hard time and that you were going to transfer I found this out like later in life mm-hmm. and um and but of course someone told me she said uh you know I'm gonna teach you what sisterhood and family is about and she was right I'm glad I stuck with it I, you know you got we fear the unknown man once I met the team and I, I really had like my sisters I, I had that bond we started hitting practice you start getting on that schedule and that routine you know you're not like thinking so much about the other stuff and then once we hit the court, man, we were like really good. So the fans are showing us love. I mean, I felt all right. Wow, this is this is awesome. People start smiling at you a little, little more, <laughs> talking to you a little bit more. Um, you know, it, it just really changed the energy um, around the program and with my experience. So I, I felt that at home then. Yeah, I, I was talking to Kevin before the show, and I, I was telling him about the like the energy that you were talking about. And the men's team, we would go to men's basketball games and we would literally just kind of lean back and have to talk really low because there wasn't a lot of people in the stands. And then we would go <laughs> mm-hmm. to you guys' games. And it was just like you guys were like rock stars during that time. Um, yeah, and it, and it was just an exciting time in general. I, I, I remember like, okay, so I'm from New York City. I think basketball, basketball, basketball. I'm like, so why do all the people – and Joey, I'm so embarrassed I said this. I was like, why do all the people want to go – to the uh, football stadium and why has everybody got the number 16 or whatever? <laughs> like, <laughs> like who's that guy? <laughs> and I just remember like one of the um, girls dated one of the football players and I would go with her to the game and, and I learned football through her. Wow. Like seriously, just sitting there with her. And then I'm like, oh, okay. The football's rocking, right? Then right. we got women's basketball. Man, the campus was lit. Like right. I, and then yeah, and 98 times. was oh man. Come on. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, uh, oh, oh sorry. 
this motion light. I'm sorry. Good. Um, then uh, in '98, fo- football and women's basketball won the championship. So that was like an exciting time um, to be around um, Tennessee program and just um, just experiencing just being young and, and having an opportunity to have like a national platform. But it was true. But men's basketball at first it was like a, a little joke on campus, like go to a women's game, nobody goes to the men's games, but they got really good. Like my junior, senior year, they started picking it up. So it's just a lot of excitement. I, I think when I look back, even though Tennessee at times was kind of tough for me, just, you know, uh, being away from home, uh, being in the South, like, you know, seeing different things, it was one of the best decisions I make. And I learned what like families about, you know, and, and trusting people and, 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 you know, just kind of taking that step forward and not operating in fear. And it turns out to be something so uh, amazing for me. Was, go ahead. Honey. No, you. no, I was going to say, what's interesting is that insight that you had to put yourself in a situation for discomfort. Like you just had to put yourself in that. Because you, like you said, mm-hmm. you took the easy road, stayed on the East Coast, did what was familiar mm-hmm. to you. But culturally, going from the East Coast to the South, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you got Pat Summit, mm-hmm. one of the greatest to ever. I say one of the greatest, the greatest to ever do it. Yeah, they, they mimic her. You know, even Gino, we talked about him several times on here, but they mimicked him. I mean, he mm-hmm. mimicked her and what she did and how she built the program. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, so I know you kind of mentioned how influential she was to you. Can you mm-hmm. talk about what's that like with her? Because all eyes are on that program. She mm-hmm. she kind of made women's basketball what it is today. Right. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I never, like, one thing I learned from Coach Summit, man, that lady worked. She busted her butt and sold down to earth and just talked to talk with you. You know, she's like, man, I grew up, she grew up in a t- tobacco farm. Like, she's just like, man, my family had a dry clean, like hustling, you know, some country poverty type shit, you know, excuse my language, but yeah. yeah. And she, she's like, so, you know, you gotta work hard, you know, you, you gotta put back, put forth your best foot, you know, you know, you may encounter a lot of things, but you can't let, no one can outwork you, you know, you just gotta work, 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 keep at it. And great things are going to happen. And the realest moment that I experienced for her is, I want to say it was the, the team where we were, we lost 10 games. So that was my sophomore year. And she comes in there and she's, she's, she's pissed off <laughs> about something. And she just slams the basketball in the locker room. And everybody's just like, oh, my God, what do we do now? She goes, you guys don't get it. She goes, when I look around this, this locker room, say it's 12 players, she's like, eight of you guys, it's like eight or nine of us are from single parent homes. And, and she goes, my job, my job at the end of the day, I, I mean, basketball is just a tool. My job is to, re- to, re- to, to help God strong, independent women to make sure you, you understand, like you could go out there and accomplish anything. That's why I'm hard on you. Like she was going in to the point where I thought she was like about to like cry. And what she was saying was so real, like no one's going to give us anything, you know, we got to work, we got to work for it. We got to learn to build the sisterhood. You know, a lot of times you don't realize it then, you know, because let me tell you, I wanted to transfer. Tamika wanted to transfer. Candace Parker, fast forward 10 years later, be like, Meek, how did you deal with her? (laughs) (laughs) 
But we, but when you leave Tennessee, and only thing you could think about all the life that happens, you know, you just hear her voice in your head because you know she prepared you for that, you know. And so that's that's what's so special about Coach Summit. Um, you know, of course you run across like out of all of us, this was 160 something of us, Lady Balls, and you'll you'll hear the the people say, oh. She, man, she just cares about you, Candace, Tamika, such and such. And I'm like, that's not true. You know how I know that's not true? Because when Coach Summit was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, like I was really, you know, going through my stuff and I really wanted to do something nice. And so I had, I asked players, sent out mass emails to tell a story about Coach Summit, right? I want to put it into a book. And when I tell you, I'm the only person that's read all these stories. Mm. And her son has it. And um, the, Sally Jenkins, who wrote her book, read it. And she's like, these stories are so beautiful. So I know that my coach was just not a, a coach for me. She was a coach. She was a real deal, like helping people, um, you know, through divorces, you know, being there for people when they were struggling. Like she just was a real like stand up person. So I always tell people, oh, you talk about Coach Summit basketball coach. Yes, she was great. But as a human being, as a person, man, she's one of the, the the realest people. I mean, she would talk to me just like, look, I don't know what it's like to be a black woman, but I know what it's like to, to, to struggle. You know what I'm saying? And we'll talk about equality and, you know, understanding like who you are and self-respect. I mean, I had had a lot of coaches up until that point and here I am, right? In Tennessee, Knoxville, Tennessee, with a white woman, who's basically giving me like another blueprint, like my grandmother gave me for life. So that's, that's real. Wow. So real quick. So you kind of alluded to this earlier, how you said, mm -hmm. that, you know, after playing uh, for coach summit, then you go to the league and it's like never, never what you, what it was at, at that time. So mm -hmm. that's the kind of, that's, I guess that's my question. Like, how do you go from playing for her in the South and then you get drafted, you go, to back up north to Washington. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now you, how did you, how did you handle that? Uh, I would say it, it was really tough because I was always like protected. Like I had my, my home life with my grandmother and my high school coach. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm in New York city, but my grandmother don't play that, you know, stuff. And here I am now in Knoxville and coach summit is like the police times to everything that goes on, mm. you know, <laughs> Um, and just having that structure and discipline. Now, here I am as a, as a pro athlete now, um, a lot of excitement going on, your face everywhere, commercials and, and all this. And then I go home every night, you know, to this place, kind of like lonely, you know, kind of like by myself, figuring out life. And I don't have that structure and di uh, discipline, you know, you know, there, like someone kind of like leading me. I have to start to figure this out um, for myself and, you know, no one really had the blueprint for me because as far as like women's basketball, the success that I was experiencing, the, the marketing, marketability, it, no one that I, I can, I can talk to a teammate about these things. And, you know, it's just like some of the coaches, like just in your business and things like that. And I'm like, you know, calling coach, like, man, like I just can't deal with this lady or I can't deal with this. And she's like, just, just be patient, just, you know, just work hard, control what you can. It was really a, a challenging, um, challenging time for me. Um, it probably took me 
like midway through the season to really get a, a grasp of um, everything. You know, the expectation. Yes, people expect a lot from me, but I'm looking at like, yo, this is my center, and my center is like crazy, kicks it every night. <laughs> like, but it's not no coach summit. There's a grown people, so I, I can't say, yo, like, why don't you just, you know, be be respectful? Like, we got a game, you know. And you can't, it's different, man. You want to be like, you want people to respect you. So I can't come in because they already think that, you know, I think I'm the issue or whatever. So um, I was like, okay, let me go about it uh, this way, you know, be cool with everyone, invite everybody to my house, try to build this sisterhood. And I would say halfway through, like we started getting it. We started doing, doing better. Um, and it took for me my second year, um, it was the third season. Um, I got a player and I was like rookie of the year, you know, had some things. Second year I had a couple of injuries, but third year, everything freaking came together. I had a former Olympian, Vicky Bullet, come to our team. And man, when I tell you she was older, she had played overseas in Italy. She came and whipped me into shape. The whole team, man, she was just like, host club, you got to do X, Y, and Z. After games, you need to get a cold tub. You need to take care of your body. X, you know, da, 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 da. She would just call players out. And I was like, man, like, I was like, okay, what you need me to do? Because I felt like, all right, she's, a, I can respect her. And it really helped me have like some of the best uh, seasons in my career, like leading the league and scoring and rebounding, like really going out there and feeling like we're competing for something. Because before then, guess what? We led the league in attendance. Yeah, we had the most fans come watch us, but that's the only, only banners. Um, we were hanging and then I suffered like a tremendous loss. My grandmother passed away. And um, I would say, I, I always say I feel like I lived like multiple lives. Um, this was like a, just another life that I had to, oh man, I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> Y'all gonna be mad at me. It's these light, the, the motion. I'm sitting and so it just gets, I don't know how to set the thing, sorry. But um, yeah, so I had to learn how um, to navigate that. And I've always, you know, you, you don't think about that. And I never thought about not having my grandmother. Um, you know, she was the person that just uh, helped, you know, me focus, you know, help me set goals. She was always, you know, there for me, even though my parents, um, my mother, you know, went to rehab and got her life together. Still, my grandmother was like my my everything. You know, that's the person that, you know, you want to work hard to take care of. That, that was the person for me. And by losing her, I was just really like, I was just really, really sad. Um, but I put on a brave face because my grandma used to say stuff like, oh, you're not going to get my daughter back to drinking. And I just knew my mother suffered. If I'm feeling this pain, that's her mother. You know, I know and my grandma's always been there for my mother and, or her kids. So I knew my mother was going to go through some stuff and I just didn't want her to go back drinking because that was traumatizing to me, you know, after all that we've been through as a family. And so, um, you know, I always say I, I buried my grandmother and I buried my emotions and I never took the time to grieve. And that's the thing that, it's very important for us to do um, as people. I just thought, you know, basketball has always uh, been like a, one of my coping mechanisms, you know, um, even to this day, like last week, I was just like, oh man, I was feeling like, like going through the motions. I'm like, yo, let me just go get my basketball. Let me go outside and, and shooting around. 
is this put some music on is, is this like a, a safe space and for one so that space that that safe place didn't feel so safe like I couldn't I couldn't refocus I couldn't get it together and that's when my depression got got really really bad and you know just being at that time the face of the league um in Washington we had like they made it to the playoffs and stuff I tried to put on that coat you know I tried to put on that mask and get out there and 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 perform and be a people pleaser but for me it was just something that was really really uh dark and I don't I didn't think anyone would understand you know mentally I'm like oh my god people just don't understand what I'm going through and 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 I'm not the first to just tell everybody mm-hmm. so I just started you know getting really paranoid thinking like my teammates knew what was going on and it just got really really negative I, I started having like suicidal ideations and all of these things and I tried to talk to um, my cousin about it and my closest guy cousin and um, you know it's his family he's always been there the whole journey and he's just like man like you can't be sad this I know this is tough but you know your grandmother wants you to move he's giving me all the speeches and he's like you got to push through man look we were little kids you always said like you wanted to you know play professional basketball and at first it was with the men but he goes now like look at you like you you made it and so me hearing that I just you know oh I'm all right I'm all right don't don't worry about me and uh yeah it was it was something that has Definitely. I didn't know that it would be this long of a journey with, I didn't know it would be at that time. I would say this is like 90, 2000, sorry, 2003. I didn't know, you know, this would be a lifelong journey uh, with me having to be mindful of my my mental health concerns. I had no idea. Shamika, looking back on it, I know how important your grandmother uh, was to you. Mm -hmm. Um, How did it affect your game? Like, you know, because you were dealing with all these these expectations, this pressure, you're the best, you know, one of the best players in the league. How did it affect you on the basketball court? Craziest thing is it didn't really affect me on the basketball court. That was the one time when my mind was clear and focused when it really, it got me as soon as like the ball stopped. And then like, it's like the noise just comes back. But when I'm on the court, I'm locked in, I'm geared up. And it was just like peace. But I didn't know how to manage it once I left that. Once I left that structure and, and that environment, it, it just, my world started like falling apart. And that little crappy little sucker is like talking to me. And so a lot of times when people are going through those type of things, you start masking, you, you know, you're, you start masking with things. And for my dad, see, I thought my dad was just like, all right, my dad talks to himself. I am like, all right, he's an alcoholic. But we, I found out in college that my dad, actually suffered from schizophrenic disorder so when my dad was drinking he was trying to mask the same thing I was going through like he's trying to he's like he's hearing stuff all this stuff and um I'm like oh my god like I'm kind of like experiencing I'm getting scared I don't want to talk about it because I don't you know as a young kid you don't want be I don't want to be like my dad I don't want to have have that no I don't have that and so by stuffing it, you know, I just stuffed it inside, inside, inside. What ultimately happens is that it, it just explodes, you know, and that's what I, I experienced. You know, I had like suffered mania and it's the scariest thing um, to go through that, um, to have those high levels of elations and, um, you know, do just the super invincible um, like feeling. And then when you come down, it's like, they can't even get out of bed, like a dark depression. And 
you know, when I look at all that, I look at relationships. I'm a big relationship person, like my people that I, I rock with. And to know that I don't remember times when my behavior is erratic um, with my family and close friends that to the point where like people didn't like me, it's, it's crazy because me, people don't want to even deal with me. Like it, it just damaged a lot of relationships and people felt like they couldn't um you know, get me to get help. They would try, they try to talk to me about it, but I was just run. I was a runner. Like, you know, oh, I'm leaving. Oh, I'm going to California. I'm doing this. I would never let them try to like do no intervention type thing, pinpoint me. I'm like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Let me just go. And so I had to learn the hard way. You know, I really had to learn the hard way. Um, you know, having, having, have a situation where, um, you know, first it was the LA situation. I, I, I tried to take my life. And then it was, you know, situation in Atlanta where, um, you know, I d didn't even remember half the stuff that went on. It was like a, a, a trance and having to go through those things. And now it's public, you know, um, people judging your character, uh, people creating different narratives about yourself, about you. It was really tough. It, it was one of the toughest things that um i've been been through to understanding like who your real friends are who who's your who's the real people in your life and it started for me when um i went through that and i was just really isolated and um you know getting a lot of medical treatment and coach summit called that she had tracked me down through another player and she's upset she's worried and um, one of my old teammates called me and, you know, you have that teammate that just makes you laugh no matter what you're going through. So I, I actually answered a phone for her and she's like, Coach Summers really worried about you. And she goes, you know, she said, Meek just had a bad day. She needs to sit down and talk, talk to me. She just had a bad day. So I go to her house. My friend drives me to Knoxville, y'all. I'm, I'm so nervous because it's like I disappointed, like my, my grandmother, you know, like family, I, I disappointed her. And she sat there and she goes, don't worry. She goes, you had a bad day. She goes, I always worry about you. She goes, you don't know, but I used to talk to your grandmother a lot because I knew the challenges and the things you were going through. I had, I had no idea. Hmm. She goes, you gotta, you gotta get help. She goes, you gotta see somebody regularly and you have to get rid of all these people around you. And I'm looking at her like, what do you mean? People. She goes, people. The people that you have around you that, that cover up the noise you talk about. And she was right because my my personality, I had like my friends, but then all of a sudden, yeah, I would have random friends that I would meet and people I would just hang out with, you know, to go have a drink or people I would just do certain activities with because having those people around this 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 just like sort of covered up the noise and I was the noise in my head. I didn't have to deal with me, you know. And she said, once you do that, once you get rid of those people, hang with people that know your character and know who you are, you're gonna get your life back. And she was right. You know, I, I changed my number. I had uh come came to New York for a while, you know, just living there in my own neighborhood, um, going to boys and girls clubs, kind of like work out, going to therapy and I you know, color started coming back because I was surrounded by people that know me, you know, since I'm like 10 years old, if not younger. Um, people that, you know, just just was like, hey, we're here, you know, like we got you. And that sh was like a love over my life that helped me really to open up, to talk about like 
my fears to talk about my mom and dad and to deal with that trauma because I never wanted to like talk about that. I didn't realize how deep that was, you know, like I had to really work through this generational stuff. And then um, I started, I just started going to therapy regularly. Let me tell you, my, my life started getting the color, the color back. And, you know, it's crazy because when I first started talking about like mental health, and um, decided that this is a platform I really wanted to speak on. Man, everybody was like, man, you crazy. <laughs> like, why are you, man, people are going to judge you. Like, come on, man. It was like me. You can't do it. But then I would be in Atlanta and I was, I was working out like in Buckhead. And, you know, every athlete, like a lot of athletes live in Atlanta. And it would be like, yo, come up to me. Yo, sis, man, respect. Mm-hmm. I know, I know what, I know what you do. I, I, and there was more and more people, more and more athletes, more and more business people that said they were dealing with something similar. And honestly, like that gave me um, more confidence. It made me even more transparent because I realized it wasn't just like a Shaniqua problem. It, it was a thing that we need to talk to, uh, talk about as people of color because like my white friends when I you know their family was like oh they 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 talk about therapy over drinks like <laughs> <laughs> you're right they, they normalize it and we're like you know people will come to mental health events and then tap me and be like I know what you're talking about I'm going to do the I'm like we're at a mental health event why are they whispering because it's the stigma in yeah. our community yeah you know it was interesting you say that because you know you talk about we talk about the transition the show's talking about transitioning and mm-hmm. You go from high school to, to college and you, you like you say, you got support, you got structure, you got something to keep you in line. You got to go to class at this time, practice this time. You got games, you're traveling. You get mm-hmm. to, to the league and you're an, an adult. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're talking about transitioning from college to a profession, if you don't have a support system, a mentor or something like that, that right. guides you through veteran, veteran, yeah. something to yep. kind of help you transition through. You see it time and time again. I don't care if it's football, basketball uh accountant it's it's people make those mistakes you get money you get a profession you do something and you fall mm-hmm. through the cracks and then the other part of that transition is that when that you say when that ball stops mm-hmm. you know you know me and joey talked about this before there's a there's a time in there like you said there's a depression time you're trying to figure out mm-hmm. what's next for me what's what am i going to do and mm-hmm. there you know as an athlete you always i'm gonna figure it out you know i just yeah. i'll figure it out you always try to figure it out and mm-hmm that willingness to say that and then go get help on top of mm-hmm. that, you know, before it gets to the point of no return, man. So I, you know, that I, I appreciate you being genuine and candid with us telling that story because so many athletes, so many people transition and I, I'm, we're, we're comparing it to athletes right now because we're all athletes on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is so many of us go through that when that ball stops i don't care if it stops in high school stops in college it's hard to let some things go and if you don't deal with it properly man and then then you're embarrassed to talk about right absolutely kevin and i we we didn't talk about this until years after we finished like we had we had a similar story as far as like you know after we were done we're like man you know we wish our career would you know been this and that and played longer and and it was a it was a period of time where you know we talk about this all the time like we were we're in a dark space mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um therapy man it, i mean it definitely helped me right and mm-hmm. it's and it's helped me and um but it's it's for for you speaking on it and normalizing it and making that your platform and i i think that's i think that's so awesome especially oh, for people you. of color too 
Because we, uh, like you said, we don't we don't do that. Yeah. That's not what Man, we do. Man, it's 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 certain things that we you know we just got a lot of a lot of trauma generationally. We just gotta accept that and it's hard to heal and be better. I think we have an awakening now, so you definitely see a shift and change and we just gotta keep it keep it going because I, I I tell my wife all the time, like, oh my God, like my son, like soon as if he wants to play sports or whatever he does, like I just want him to always be able to talk freely about his emotions. You know, these kids nowadays, um, they're a lot more aware of that. You know, there's a lot more pro- programs like I don't know about Nashville, but like New York, every school in New York City has like, um, you know, mental health programming. It was something that the city fought for. So you have more kids that are aware, you know, yeah. like oh, I, I feel this way. Um, and, and I think that's key. You know, I, I don't want to have a household where he, he has to keep feelings inside, doesn't want to hurt anyone's feelings and stuff like let's Let's put it out there. Let's talk. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think that's interesting that you say that, because one of the things now, like you, you just talked about all the stuff you went through as an athlete and how and, and these guys just kind of hit on it, too. You know, a lot of times people think, oh, I would be any I would do anything to play ball and you get to do this and you get to mm-hmm. do that. But then they don't see when you go home. Mm-hmm. So having right. said all that, like now that you're a wife and a mother, mm-hmm. how do you how, how do you handle that? Like, wh- what do you take from your experiences mm-hmm. to make that fit? Like how you raise your son now and how you handle right. you know, relationships with your wife and that kind of stuff? Well, I think that my patience has really changed. You know, I don't let really anything get me upset. Um, and if, if I do, I just, I learned stillness, like in my space, you know, you, you, we can't be connected at the hip. That's one thing. And especially during COVID, you know, um, learning how to have my self-care moments. So I meditate a lot. Um, I go for walks. Um, I like to work out. Those things make me feel good and keep me balanced. Um, and, you know, my parents, I just remember growing up, me and my, I have a, I have a wife who her family is like, you know, I always call it the original black family, like mom and dad married so many years, five kids, they, they're super close. It's a little different from, from, from mine, you know, and I, I'm used to noise, you know, she's never heard her parents argue, you know, um, I'm used to noise, you know, uh, the, the, the arguments and all that stuff. So I have, I have learned like, I don't want to ever argue and stuff around my son. Never. You know, like, that's what I choose, you know, not saying that it may happen, but I don't want to ever be quick, quick to anger because I know how that like impacted me as a kid. That's how we learned, you know, how, how it made me feel. And so just trying to do things like a little bit different, but you know, nothing's perfect. As we all know, you know, you, you figure out and you make adjustments here and there, but I just want to have always like clear lines of, of communication. You know, I, I think that's key. Well, I will really appreciate your time, Shamiqua. We're going to get you out of here with what we do on every show. We call it this okay. or that. Mm-hmm. We ask you a couple oh, okay. <laughs> 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 You sound nervous. Right? <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start off. Um, since you're from Queens, Nas or LL? Mm. Nas. Yeah, we kind of predicted that yeah, one. I'm gonna go yeah, with we that. called that. One. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, Christ King High School basketball powerhouse, a lot of phenomenal players like yourself, and Sue Bird. But yep. I'm going to talk about. I knew you grew up. You was one of your friends, Ron Artest. Mm-hmm. So you might be a little bit biased, but I'm gonna say biggest star, Ron Artest. Or L.O. Lamar Odom, and I'm a Laker fan. I'm not gonna hold them. I'm just gonna say that right there. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna go with uh, 
talent wise, oh Lamar. Yeah. Yeah, Ron. Ron would Ron would tell you the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> they 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 played with each other since they were like eight or nine years old. Like and then play Riverside. I mean, Lamar is just something something special. When yeah. I when I talk about him, we were the same height. His freshman year of high school, when we used to all play like afterwards. He the next that summer, he couldn't play. His knees was hurt. We came back to school. Dude was six eight. <laughs> <laughs> with guard skills. Yeah. Yeah. Six, eight. Okay. So I, cause since you, well, you're back in New York now, mm-hmm. you've been in the South, Tennessee, Atlanta. Right. If you had to pick between the two, the South or the North to live for the next 10 years, which one would you go with? Oh man. Oh, I'm gonna go with the, I'm gonna go with the South. You know why? Um, I had this conversation. I had a family gathering graduation this weekend. And the reason I say that, like, I have to be real and honest with myself. I've lived away from New York more in my life than I've been here. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I never wanted to, like, raise, raise kids here. I, I This is great for, like, a couple of years because I love, like, the diversity. And he's going to see so many different faces at school. But, I mean, just... I want to be able to have like a little more peace and feel safe, you know, and, and I love, I love New York, but it's just a different edge that you got to carry. You know, every time you go outside of your door, it's a different energy um, that you, you have to have because things are just that much faster. I slow down a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, come on to Nashville. We'll take you. <laughs> come on to Nashville. Well, um, I hope y'all are, are voting for uh, Judge Bell. You know, I got something from her today. You okay. know, Judge Bell, Rachel Bell is a good yeah. friend of mine. So yeah. I hope you guys are voting for her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know, Rachel. Yeah. We love the energy that you brought this um, this mm-hmm. evening. We love having you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Man, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Sorry about that light, too. <laughs> oh, no, it's all good, man. We appreciate your time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I know. I got to get it together. <laughs> It was a pleasure. Right, Thank y'all, you so y'all much. Y'all take care. And, right. and Joey, be well. Tell your wife I said hello. I sure will. Oh, my God. You have such a beautiful family, too. I was like, oh, everybody's getting so big. Oh, I know. I know. My daughter, she's a senior. She's a senior now. My son will be in high school this fall. So it's there. What, is she going to UT? It's on the list. It's on the list. But thank you. I, I appreciate it. All right, it. guys. All right. Take care.